This is a show where we talk about an idea, concept, theme, trend, and relate it to some kind of media like film, TV, video games, books, music, and hopefully discover something about ourselves or our culture along the way. Thanks for listening. Welcome to the show. This is Eli Steenlinch, and with me is... Jeremy Holiday. On this episode, we're talking about the new movie It, based on the Stephen King novel. This is an updated version of that. Uh, so we'll be talking about uh, mainly the new version. Jeremy will be discussing some of the TV movie, which we can kind of consider the original. Um, so you'll be jumping in on that a little bit, right? Yeah, I, uh, we went to see the movie on Saturday, and then I came home and found it on Amazon Prime and stayed up till 2 in the morning watching it. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I only have vague memories of it. Uh, certain parts, especially that first scene with um, Pennywise the Clown in the sewer, yeah, definitely stuck in my brain. One thing I did want to mention before we dig into things too much, there's lots of ways we could approach this. And we are recording this... Uh, about two days past the shooting in Las Vegas. Mm -hmm. And so I think in some ways people may say about topics like this or in general talking about movies and TV and stuff is not the most um, important thing to talk about. But I think especially maybe talking about horror is appropriate because... Uh, it deals with sort of trauma and violence in the world and how people deal with that and cope with it. So I'm not saying it's appropriate, but it is, I think, closer to reality in some ways in dealing with that than it is. Oh, yeah. it's, in- it's interesting you mentioned that, Eli, because I have a couple of things in my notes about the Las Vegas okay. shooting. Um, so when we get to some later parts, you'll... Bring that up again? Yeah, there was stuff to talk about. So, yeah, I mean, I think uh, just talking about how people deal with those things that come up in in the world unexpectedly and how do we deal with evil or extreme violence or things or fear um, and how we how we respond to that. So, um, well, yeah, and I think I think I I think I need to take the opportunity to say this at the top. Yeah, I mean, the 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 segue, the thing that I had in our note that I made about. Um, Las Vegas was uh, shootings in Las Vegas was um, there's a part in the original television version a three hour Mm -hmm. made for TV Um, it's at the end and and Beverly is talking about what it really is Mm -hmm. and she says you know in some sense um, when when they're wavering on whether or not they need to like dig in and push past some death in their group Mm -hmm. to actually kill it right you know, she says that um, the entire town of Derry is it. Hmm. And she tells a story, um, a man, I think his name is Mr. Rothman, mm-hmm. um, who one day she's being roughed up by the local bullies, Henry, whatever his name. Mm-hmm. And she, like, calls for help. And she makes eye contact with Mr. Rothman, who's her neighbor. Mm-hmm. And he sees her and just sort of scurries into his house. Mm. And... You know, and lets whatever happen refuses mm-hmm. to, to help. Mm-hmm. Um, and Beverly uses it as a way in the story of saying, like, we are the only people who can see this problem. I mean, because literally yeah. the kids are the only people that can see the blood and some of the things in the story. Yeah. Also, metaphorically, they're the only people that can see the evil for what it is, mm-hmm. um, or are the only people that seem to care about it. Yeah. Um, because one of the things, I mean, like it's it's said many times, even in the movie version, like there's something mm-hmm. terribly wrong with dairy. Right. <laughs> right. You know, and the, you know, and one of the things that 
is clear in both the movie and the TV version is that there's a reason why Pennywise inhabits this Bad place. Town, yeah. Because in this town, rashes of children dying and being maimed in horrible ways, mm-hmm. they raise people's attention, they talk about it on the news, and then they move on to something else. Right. And yeah. it, it, it is a place where um, evil uh, can live and feed. Right. Um, yeah, and, and, and thinking about the... I mean, thinking about the, the shooting in Las Vegas, I mean, there's there's a lot of things one can say about it, <laughs> but um, I think what the part that struck me was among the responses that there are to, like, a mass shooting, this is one of the deadliest mass shootings in U.S. history, mm-hmm. um, when when the, when the people say the response, well, there, there's nothing we can do. Right. You know, there's nothing we can do to prevent future things like this. There's nothing we could have done to prevent other things like this. Mm-hmm. Um, it just falls into a category of, of I just, like, first of all, I don't think that that's true. Yeah. Because I don't think that the, the world is plagued with mass violence and there's nothing that human beings can do about it yeah. at all mm-hmm. um, I also think it I mean it, it, it fails it falls into this category of a lot of things in our modern world climate change is one of them where yeah. you know the, when the response is well there's nothing we can do about it um, it just it seems I don't know the right word but it, it, it comes off as a deliberately ch- childish um, mm-hmm. in a way that it, 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 it it's choosing a position of saying that no one is possibly responsible for this, yeah. and I certainly am not at all responsible for it. Yeah. Um, but, you know, but I think that the horrible truth of a lot of these things, whether it's climate change or mass shootings, is that we all are to blame for part of it, yeah. and we don't. I mean, this is our this is our world, mm-hmm. um, and we do things or don't do things that make stuff like this possible. Yeah, I mean. Um, we're kind of getting into it right away, but like, <laughs> uh, that makes me think about. I mean, I think this is a apt film in some ways to talk about, and mm-hmm. that you're, like what you're saying about being in this certain place, and um, I think you'll talk about it more. But like being the whole city yeah. involved in that, um, creating that environment and that atmosphere for that to like breed, sort of. And having finished the latest season of Twin Peaks, I think. In some ways, David Lynch was talking... Like, it spreads outside of the town of Twin Peaks in the new series to, Hmm. like, including Las Vegas, ironically. So, uh, these different places, but it it felt like in certain parts of the show, it was literally, like, violence was, like, spreading to different people just, like, in random sort of ways. And I don't know (laughs) for sure, uh, sticking with David Lynch sort of cryptic meanings like what the actual like source of that is exactly but i think he's saying there's something about modern america that is is allowing this to happen so so yeah that's interesting i was recently talking to online to my friend in indonesia mm-hmm. old friend and he was just saying how the rest of the world whatever countries they are can like see that gun violence needs to be controlled in some way and uh, and that for some reason, you know, it's so high in America compared to other places. So there's something happening there, um, certainly in this land and this area. So, uh, yeah, we're getting a little off topic. But, yeah, I mean, I think there's just something. Sometimes we, I think, associate sort of horror films. And you brought up before the show, and maybe we'll talk about this, how, like, this was, like, originally envisioned as this ancient evil that's rising up so i think there 
not quite in that supernatural terms, but in America we could think about there's something rising up from who we have become as a people. Um, yeah, I mean, there's a... There's not, a not to sound too negative. But, us, I mean, there's yeah. a lot of things that... I mean, one of the things that I... I mean, I, I think you... I watched another film about three months ago called yeah. um, I Am Not Your Negro. It's a... Mm. Uh, it's a I've watched some of it. Yeah. Biographical film, yeah. you know, documentary about James Baldwin. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've read, you know, I mean, I'm not in, by any means like no lots of about James Baldwin. I've read two of his books. I mean, I think his, I mean, you know, I don't, I think his <laughs> writing is intoxicating mm-hmm. in a way that like he's so frank mm-hmm. um, in a way that he's frank and intellectual in the same mm-hmm. kind of way that yeah. like, you know, it the you don't need someone else to, most people that I know that like his writing mm-hmm. will just kind of hand it to you. Mm-hmm. And they're like, you know, they don't need to tell you anything, you know, because <laughs> it, it like speaks for yeah. itself. Yeah, I mean, he's because he's very clear mm-hmm. about what he has to say. Um, and and I think, I mean, and he spent a lot of time in France, mm. you know. And he said because he just couldn't like, if you if he wrote what he wanted to write, and he was living in the United States, he was you know like he literally could be killed. Right. right. Um, you know, that was like a mm-hmm. real thing for mm-hmm. lots and lots of people. Yeah. So you know, he lived in France for a while, and then sort of came back. Um, mm. To get involved in the civil rights movement because people were like, you gotta, like, it's happening now. Yeah. Um, and one of the things that reminds me, and I, this is like, just sort of like my school nerd, is like, um, reminds me of like Alexander de Tocqueville's, you know, series of essays or essay like Democracy in America. Okay. You know, like, classic um, essay about the United States from the point of view of uh, a foreigner, mm-hmm. um, you know, and, uh, you know, it, in, in that essay, he talks a lot, a lot about like the American justice system and how the focus is on reform, mm-hmm. you know, and and, 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 yeah. and it's an American example in you know nineteen hundred, I think, of uh, what America could be possibly, mm-hmm. you know, you know, further in the past, but but it's like it's the perspective of uh, an intimate foreigner looking at the United States or someone yeah. who spent a lot of time away, and I think that, um, and I don't know um, if it's James Baldwin's time away from the U.S. that gives him that gives him the best part of his perspective, but it certainly sure. gives him an important part of it. But one of the things that he says often is that, like, uh, you know, at the heart of what it is to be American is just a, a moral whole, just mm. this, like, utter moral vacuousness. Mm. Um, you know, because in, in for him, it's just fairly simple, at least the way he talks about it. Like, like slavery, like, people owned other people and treated them like they weren't human beings. Yeah. And there's never been any formal process like in South Africa like the Truth and Reconciliation mm-hmm. Commission to, yeah, to, to like change to, to have something to say about that narrative I mean mm-hmm. when you have right. I mean you have the same inane argument I mean, like the, when the President of the United States is mm-hmm. like well but like George Washington owns slaves too I mean like, if we don't have a, a sophisticated national voice mm-hmm. about our own past yeah. um, it doesn't seem like much goes forward you know and, mm-hmm. and for Baldwin like you know, and he talks about gun violence and yeah. a lot of stuff in the, his later work. He's like, it's not a surprise. I mean, like, there's, you know, like if you look at among the things you know, American has Americans have done and America has done. There's just this gigantic hole where it comes to morality. <laughs> yeah. You know, and he talks about prisons and other stuff too. And you know, and and so it's not. I think the reason why I say this, I think it's not so much the most interesting part of these questions. It's not mm-hmm. like what is it about the modern world or about modern America. Mm-hmm that is problematic but what it is what is it about america itself yeah. that is 
problematic because I mean right. it's I mean there's just so many of the important events in our nation's history are mm-hmm. people being massacred. Yeah, yeah. I mean that's interesting. Leading into, I was, I was going to mention that, that this was not my original like idea for framing this episode. My original concept was speaking more to uh, this this subgenre of I think young kids in sort of like horror or um, suspense fighting evil sort of coming of age so mm-hmm. coming of age kind of horror films oddly enough many of them either made in the 80s or yeah. now set in the 80s so talking like Stranger Things is a recent version of that which was also set in the 80s looking back um, but in the 80s we had Stand By Me yeah, great Goonies. film I mean Stand By Me is another yeah. Stephen King yep. story yep just more focus on the coming of age. Yeah, but there's, a, there's a there's a dead body. There's, there's a dead body. A, a yeah. dead there's body. something sort of horrific they're dealing with, and then uh, also on the nostalgic factor, we had Super Eight not too long ago, mm-hmm. also set in the '80s, and kids dealing with supernatural, scary forces or whatever. So I mean, that's the was my original thinking, and I also think it's interesting you talking about sort of like looking at history, and uh, and how we view America that from what i understand the book the novelization of it is uh when they're kids it's in the 50s yeah that and the tv movie was yeah i mean similarly yeah yeah. i mean there's there's Mm -hmm. all those cues the movies that came out in the 50s 57 Mm -hmm. you know like those late 50s chevys all that stuff yeah and now we get this updated version taking place in the 80s which conveniently makes probably the the second part um that we're gonna get more modern day yeah present but i think it's also speaking to like when it came out the tv version maybe a lot of those people they had this nostalgia for the 50s when they were youth and now the people that this is aimed at like us um that age was closer to the 80s yeah yeah, because i mean i think about in stand by me because one of the don't remember it all over this day we are one of our like voices is the mm-hmm. writer who's writing the story when he's a kid you know yeah and you know, there's just you know there's like there's this held for line where he's like what are you what is he? he's trying to he's trying to end his story and mm-hmm. i don't remember the line but it's something yeah. like you know but those are the greatest friends that you'll we ever have you know because mm-hmm. you never you never have any better or something you know right. you know and so i mean you know king is clearly appealing to that but the to that nostalgia mm-hmm. for like that point in your life so it makes yeah. sense you know if, if if the filmmakers know that it's us that mm-hmm. if, you know we're gonna be in the 80s yeah i mean i also have to say though that i mean i think one of the reasons why uh stephen king's stuff is so successful is that like he really uses um and invents some like mm-hmm. archetypes himself yeah and like the the prepubescent child mm-hmm. um you know is this you know is this archetype i mean they, yeah. they, they, they're not yet an adult they still have magic i mean you see this in philip pullman's his dark materials like the mm-hmm. the golden compass the amber spyglass um phenomenal books yeah <laughs> um you know because like, i mean like the, literally like the, the kids can see dust mm-hmm. this sort of mystical force and adults can't right you know and it's like and, and it happens at puberty that they, <laughs> that that they, they change that, yeah. it's sort of explicitly about that kind of thing you know and it also um I think there's just this part about maturation when you're like when you're that age. Like mm-hmm. the world has some level of magic in it because right. you don't you haven't pushed the bounds of your knowledge to the bounds of the world. Like mm-hmm. you have no idea what could be out there. Yeah. Um, but it's something as adults, you know, and, and and I think this is represented by the fact that the kids can see like the effects of the evil. Mm-hmm. They can see the blood and the stuff, mm-hmm. and the adults can't. Yeah, yeah. That it's that, that there's some element of 
knowledge that you that only kids have mm-hmm. you know that there's that there's something that you you know at least in the case of this town of Derry, like yeah. the adults you know it's presumed at least talked about in the story that like the adults sort of tacitly consent to this violence mm. you know and so mm-hmm. they don't yeah. they don't really see it right you know and i also like you know i, I also like the, the way that each of their fears are sort of tailored to them you know the beverly's i find them interesting because as a kid i didn't understand why this young girl would be so worried about blood everywhere <laughs> right. um, they make it more explicit in the movie right. we make because she like buys tampons right and then like she's like her bathroom is covered in blood that she mm-hmm. can't you know get away yeah yeah i think uh those cues are interesting to kind of see that that transition like you said that it, it's it's amplifying those feelings and fears that yeah. we do when we trans- transition to adolescence and and sort of have to grow up and we we feel sort of like the real world encroaching on our sort of uh you know golden view of things as kids yeah. and and you know in the new version of it we repeatedly hear them say like oh it's summer we're supposed to be out having fun we're kids yeah yeah and you know eventually the one kid has to be like i don't want to hear that another time like don't tell me that one of the like serious things are happening yeah but they they really like punch you in the face with that um that aspect of you know we're just supposed to be kids but we're being forced to kind of grow up and like you like you said like nobody else is dealing with this issue because nobody else is seeing it i may have some other qualms about feeling like that's all kind of shoehorned in a little bit but in the new one to some degree but i think that's an interesting aspect of what what we see and and definitely feel like this is maybe making more commentary on where the world is now too that things are sort of like sped up and kids have to grow up faster and deal with like more happening Mm -hmm. um but i guess Probably anybody in any sort of generation feels like things are like <laughs> progressing out of control at a speed or something, you know, like the, the evil things happening in the world or horrible things like mass shootings or something, yeah. which, uh, like I said, each generation probably feels like, you know, Vietnam War or whatever that we're sort of losing control of the country or something. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, it's, it's interesting to reflect on what this might be saying shifting it up in time if the filmmakers are smart enough to be doing making any sort of commentary on that Mm -hmm. um down the line but i guess we could talk a little bit more kind of step back and talk about just like our impressions of the film and then if you want to make any comparisons to oh the original film um before we dig back into some of the the deeper elements of it but we well, yeah, i mean one yeah. of the i mean i talked about this before there's one like i saw dear world i did not read it the book <laughs> um i did read stuff on the internet about the book in relationship yeah. to the um certainly the original tv film three hours and so i mean i understand like that the book is like the portrays the kids as much more like adult, crass, sexual, like which we get in the new film. Like they mm-hmm. say fuck all the time. Yeah. And there's like all this sexual tension with Beverly. Mm-hmm. And I think that like from, I mean, in talking with Mikey, our other friend who's yeah. not here, um, I think there's like some actual sex stuff with Beverly and the kids at some point. I don't, I mean like. In the book. In the book. Yeah. Um, you know, and so the TV one, very PG. Mm-hmm. Um, so that this, this is the thing. Like mm-hmm. in, in the TV version, they all appear to be like 12 years old. Yeah. And they all like, 
they look like they're 12. Yeah. Um, in the movie we make, like, the boys look like they're about 12 or 13, and Beverly could pass for, like, 14 or 15. Mm-hmm. She's, like, a head taller. Yeah. She has developed in various ways that girls develop. Um, she dresses older. And I don't know if she's supposed to be older. I don't know if that's the way that it is in the book. Mm-hmm. But, I mean... In the TV version, they're all like a team, and yeah. that's really important. And uh-huh. in, in the movie, it's important too that they that they're together. They become a team, yeah. Um, and there's that there's something special about that. And then, mm-hmm. you know, and I and the, I mean, just not having read the book, but guessing at the way Stephen King writes, there may be they may be their like some ancient embodiment of something or other, or you know, like yeah. whatever. But I just kept in in the new movie, I just kept being like. Why is Beverly fifteen? You know what I mean. Like, is she yeah. actually fifteen, or is or is, is is like the actress who's playing her just that much taller? Right. And 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 they work like the sexual stuff with her a lot more. Like, there's mm-hmm. it's very strongly implied that her father is like sexually abusing her. Yeah, I think that's. Um, it's not really the case in the TV version. It's just mm-hmm. he's just strict. Yeah. Right. And he does he does utter the phrase like, "Are you still my little girl?" Mm-hmm. But it's more like. Are you, up, yeah, yeah, are you like doing what you're supposed to? Right. And she like runs out of the house mm-hmm. and somehow it's okay. Yeah. Um, you know, and it's, um, I don't have anything wrong with either of them. Yeah. Um, I, I think in some sense, in watching the movie version that we did, mm-hmm. I don't know what the purpose of the sexual stuff is. Mm. I mean, like, like I mean, I, I, you know, I don't doubt that's part of her story and that it's, but yeah. like it, it, it just, it, it, it honestly, it mm-hmm. seemed like it was stuck in there to more sensationalize the film a little bit. Yeah. Because I don't know... Because, again, like her, her primary fear that we interact with is about her menstruation mm-hmm. and about her appending, impending womanhood. Mm-hmm. And um, her independence relates to that in the way that she relates to her father in the original version. Yeah. But the sexuality in her father... It, I, like, I, like, it, it you know... Yeah. It, I mean, I don't know if they... I agree that maybe they don't... Not like they needed to go further with it, but maybe it's not developed enough. But I can see, again, in our way of thinking of, like, they're entering adolescence yeah. and adulthood. And so the boys are dealing with, you know, moving from... You know, they make lots of sort of, like, sexual jokes and yeah, stuff yeah. and innuendos. Because, like, like, kids that age do that. Right. But we kind of all know that they haven't had experience with right. that. So I think it is a little bit about, like... Them now having a girl that's uh, a friend that's a girl, yeah, and them sort of like thinking through what that actually looks like, and then seeing what their parents reflect to them about mm-hmm. this experience. I think that is all part of like some of the fear and anxiety about growing up, mm-hmm. um, the excitement and the fear of it. So I can see how that ties into it, and then just like what girls go through in general for her own experience, yeah. I think is is a little bit fearful and unknown. Um, having no experience. <laughs> say that. Yeah. Uh, so, so yeah, I mean, I, I could see it that way, but I, I know what you're saying about maybe feeling a little underdeveloped um, using her. And I also wonder if, I mean, maybe she is an older actress and maybe they felt like maybe a younger actress couldn't... Because I would say her performance was one of the most subtle yeah, she, like was a, she did a good job yeah. at, at doing it. And maybe they felt like a younger actress wouldn't be able yeah. to pull that off. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I just wanted to give them, like, lifts or something. Yeah. Because it's just, I mean, like, all the tableaus are, like, gigantic red-haired lady. <laughs> right. Like, yeah. Like, like, like balance them out. Yeah, like yeah. Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs sort of thing. Yeah. Which, um, I mean, I know in the TV version, um, there's a, a, 
it really like her relationship with her father is really important mm-hmm. because she essentially marries or gets involved with someone just like him. Mm. And in, in in the in the TV version, I mean, he like pulls out a belt mm. and like he's gonna discipline her. Yeah. You know, and she and she finally leaves him to come back to Derry to mm. like dispose of um, Pennywise, you yeah. know, for the final time. Right. Um, and so, like, as as part of her arc, it's really important. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I I would expect that that, that they're going to do that in part two. Yeah. Um, I just I kind of felt. I mean, one of the things I felt in watching this film, I was like, I could have done with another hour, um, yeah. which is not normally my reaction <laughs> right. to a film. Um, but mm-hmm. I feel like there's like a lot of things that my, I didn't feel like my time was wasted. No. Um, and, and even like the like jump scares they threw mm-hmm. in, which is something you know. I was like, it's like it's like a minute, you know, thirty, right, 30 right. seconds. Like I don't feel like it. Yeah. Um, and it's creepy enough that mm-hmm. you know it added to it. But because um, there's just, I mean, I think, I mean, if even if you just like Google or if, if you've read it, you know, mm-hmm. or if you just Google, it, it's like a long book. Right. And there's a lot in there, so I assume yeah. that there's a lot of details, you know, that, to do. And so, like, I, I would just like to see. I, I would have, you know, I had the patience and tolerance for more, yep. you know, about their stories. Yeah, I mean, I think in a lot of ways, the new film. I don't. I don't think the horror elements were done badly, or that it was bad. But the coming of age story was much stronger mm-hmm. with the kids and the bonding. And so I was a little bit surprised when, like, we're just introduced to some of these kids, like the um, some of the ones that aren't in the, the core group, and they're experiencing these creepy things happen to them, the visions or whatever. Mm-hmm. And that just, like, popped up really quickly, and I was like, oh, I feel like we're still establishing this world. Yeah. And we're already getting, like, them being hot. So I started to realize, like, oh, we're moving there. Okay, already, like... It's happening to all these kids, yeah. but I hardly know who these kids are yet. And I would say that in comparing, like, the TV show, a TV version and the movie version, mm-hmm. like, the movie version is better done. Like, sure. it, it, it better produced. Uh, yeah. You know, and, like, the acting is better. Mm-hmm. Um, though I think, like, the in the TV version, they all kind of hit their groove. I mean, some of it is, you're like, oh, my God, this is an 80s made-for-TV movie. Yeah. But at other points, you're like, oh, like, I, you know, given what I'm looking at, it's done fine. Yeah. There, there is, there is something about the structure of the original one that I really like. Mm. I mean, because it starts off with, you know, like in in, in the modern day mm-hmm. with someone dead, mm. and Michael, who's in there, is like a kid, is like a kid, yeah. you know, like you know, it's a. We don't start off with the boat scene. We see the boat scene later. Mm. Starts off with a girl, and she's mm. about to come in from a storm. Yeah, and she doesn't, and her mother sees something, and it's terrifying, and she screams. Mm-hmm. Police come. Um, we see Michael. Um, the you know the the black member of the team who's mm-hmm. older yeah and he goes over and um, he has notable gray flecks in this area which I've meaning later yeah and he notices at the scene of the crime that there's a picture of Georgie mm. and so it's like that that prompts him to call all the members of the losers club yeah and call them back to Derry so we have this serial presentation and introduction to mm. all the characters where they are in their lives yeah. where they are when they receive the phone call and how they react to it. Um, and I mean, I'm a. I guess I'm sort of like a sucker for like a good structure because, mm-hmm. like, I, I get to, we, I get we get to meet all these people. Yeah. And then then once they're together, we can move. They can move through a lot of character development mm-hmm. without having to like give backstory. Because sure, yeah. we because like we've already gone through them in the modern time. They receive the phone call, and there's also, well, there's this part that they talk about in the in the TV version that I liked, and it's like. The way it's portrayed is that 
they totally forget about Pennywise mm. until Michael calls them right. and tells them about it. Mm. And they're all kind of like, wait a minute, who are you? Yeah. And they're like, oh. You know, and it, it's like mm. as though they had totally forgotten about it. Right. Um, like blocked it from their memory, yeah. Yeah, but I mean, it, it seems to be purposeful, mm. um, important, um, and related to like the lore and the magic of the story. Right. You right. know, and such that like that, that they're... I think it's, I don't know, what I got from it was like that they, they've almost sort of slipped into, you know, the, the way every, everyone else is where right. they just sort of, and Michael hasn't. And Michael's Michael is like the, and, yeah. right, because he didn't leave is what we're told in the mm-hmm. story. Um, which is, you know, which is like an interesting commentary on things. I mean, one of yeah. the reasons why I think, um, one of the reasons why I like Stephen King stories and some, I don't know, how like, complicated stories in which there are horror elements yeah um is that like they the the scary things exist in this like dream world Mm -hmm. like i'm not actually scared of like clowns right like i'm not (laughs) or or whatever like i'm not scared of big spiders yeah but there's a way in which like if i imagine these very primordial kinds of things in, in, in the space in which I dream, mm-hmm. they're terrifying. Right. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And as a kid, like, and, and I wish Mikey were here to talk about it, but he and I had a similar experience. Like, we both watched it on TV when we were, like, kids, and we were way too young yeah. and were not able to handle it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I had nightmares for, like, a month. I had to invent, like, I literally would, like, I couldn't sleep because I, like, kept imagining, you know, all these different ways in which... Um, little crazy things would happen, you know. Because mm. one of the first things I remember is like they're at yeah. the restaurant and they're like these eyes and bugs in the fortune cookies, mm. you know. And 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 it was it was also for honestly it was like the sink that did me in. Yeah. Like when Beverly cleans the sink and she turns away and it's full again, mm-hmm. I was like, I can't handle that. <laughs> right. that was yeah. Um, it was like what if oh my you know and so I was like I kept you know I said anywhere so I had to mm-hmm. like think I would like build Lego structures in my head to yeah. like focus my mind so I wasn't wandering around yeah um uh, you know but so it's like these um th- there's some element about like forgetting mm-hmm. which I think is a very powerful mm. and for, you know forgetting in memory the people that do not, you know that write about forgetting in memory and all the words yeah. about it but I think that there's um and there's you know like there's like Michael grows older Mm-hmm. They all grow older, but Michael grows older and always remembers, mm-hmm. right? And, and it's because Michael does that mm-hmm. that they're able to kill Pennywise. Like mm-hmm. if Michael had forgotten, then he, Pennywise or wouldn't have any yeah, power whatever over him, sort of. Yeah, yeah. I mean, or like they, if he would have left and forgotten, then the beast would never have been vanquished. Right. It's because Michael stays and because Michael mm-hmm. remembers, and also in this story because he goes back into the the lair and and gets out. Um, the sacred weapon, which is someone, some mother's silver earrings, <laughs> um, which that is how sense. he gets his gray marks mm. um, uh, and his hair because he comes in contact with the ghost lights or the dead lights a little mm. bit. Um, of course, yeah. Yeah. That's still sense. Um, I mean, that's, that's interesting because, I mean, if we do look at this, uh, I think the first part of our conversation here and talking about history of America or whatever, I think we do see... A tendency for people to forget yeah. or move on or try not to remember um, the sort of like whether it's slavery in your example or something like that that we it's easier to move on 
um, and forget about those things for most people um, to move our country ahead. But there are certain people who call attention to that so that we don't forget about it. And and I think there's still a battle going on in our country. Oh yeah, I mean, that, we, so, I mean, yeah. like, how about like all of the like <laughs> all of the stuff with our prisons? I mean, like, like yeah. the mass incarceration of you know yeah. black people all across the country. Right. It's all ways to sort of hide that or push it under yeah. the rug. Yeah. Yeah, and so I mean, for me, like, there two of the things that I get out of the, um, certainly the TV version, mm-hmm. and, and maybe they'll touch on this in the movie version when they do sure. part two. Is it like you know if we're even just talking about the slavery example, it's not like it's Michael the black man right that re- remembers that, re- that like remembers and holds everyone accountable for mm-hmm. this horrible violence. Like, yeah. I, like I, I. I I have, I have no idea what Stephen King was thinking, yeah. but like I don't think it's a coincidence because he's definitely black, right. and he's definitely like on, the only black person in this story that we see. You know, at least in the movie and the TV. He, he's, I mean, mm-hmm. he's family. He's family mm-hmm. in the movie. You know, but like, yeah. and he's he's also clearly like an outsider. Right. Um, you know, in a lot of ways, and and the, you know, in, in the um, TV version, which takes place in the fifties, there's like N word all over the place. Mm. You know, and that's like very. It's clear, like it's yeah. prominent. Um, the other thing, which, you know, I feel like there's this larger lesson about, like, ch- being a child and an adult. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like the chi- the children wound the beast. Yeah. They, but they have to go back as adults to finish the job. Mm-hmm. And I, I just feel like there's something about that, that that rings true in that, like, you come across something that you're idealistic about when you're a child. Mm-hmm. Whether it's, like something that you really want for your life yeah like for example wanting to be an inventor or <laughs> some injustice that you encounter yeah and like you can you know and you can be a, a part of it but you don't have you don't have power yeah 12 years old you're 13 right. you know right. you, you, you encounter something mm-hmm. you can have really strong feelings about it but you often don't have the capacity to finish to like finish the job mm-hmm. or to do something about it yeah um but you do as you get older. Mm-hmm. Like that's one of the things that happens you gain influence power ability mm-hmm. for, you know all yeah. this sort of capacity to solve things, um, and you know, and like a lot of talk in the TV version is about like their responsibility. Mm. Like they are the only ones that see it. Right. They are the only ones that can do it. Mm-hmm. Their friendship, their bond, their group is special. Right. And and because of that, they have a responsibility to do things. And so th- there's also like, you know, part of what is cool about that is like there's this second coming of age. Because mm. I think one of the things, I mean, just to be honest, like as I get older. And I pass through what would apparently are like different stages in adulthood. Yeah. Like that was like I didn't know that was the case. Mm-hmm. I was like, you're like a kid, and then you come of age, and you're adult. Yeah. And maybe there's like owning a house, or you know, like right, right. these sort of like you know these uh, external things. Mm-hmm. But like my experience as an adult is like there are like very distinct different phases and stages that you go through yeah um and you know and 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 i think it's interesting the way you know pennywise comes back every 27 or 30 years depending Mm -hmm. on your version um and there's an opportunity to to face again this this challenge you know or Mm -hmm. this this thing and 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 the challenge is similar when they encounter it as an adult Mm -hmm. but different yeah because they wound it again Mm -hmm. and but they have to go and finish it and in the movie in the tv version they like rip it apart with their this giant animatronic but stop motion spider with their bare hand <laughs> and somebody pulls its heart out and mm, holds it up wow. it's pretty gruesome yeah um and i don't entirely know what that gruesomeness is intended to mm-hmm. mean but um what i see about it is like they don't have 
a fancy weapon. Mm. They don't have an efficient method. Mm-hmm. They just have sort of like their drive, right? And they're and like messy, and, and they're like yeah. focused to Come do it. Mm-hmm. Um, which you know it, it speaks. Yeah. Like I mean, like it, it's an it's um it resonates with other challenges, mm-hmm. you know that you that I faced in my life. Yeah, that's an interesting point because I mean I think they're foreshadowing that at least in the new film. Mm-hmm. I mean. We, we've been talking about, like, this difference between, like, pretty much all the adults, except for maybe, like, the librarian or something in the yeah. film, is, like, you know, portrayed as sort of losing touch, at least, with mm-hmm. humanity, sort of, or, like, what's right or moral. Um, and so I think, like you said, having to come back as adults, it is, like, a second test to be, like, yeah. okay, you saw, like... The things that were wrong with the adults are you going to become that mm-hmm. and uh here's your test to to see if you've forgotten or not mm-hmm. um to how it's become and, and i like what you said about seeing it in different parts of your life because i think the fear for me in watching that film was like okay my being a, a parent now like i have fears of like what my kids what the world that my kids will be in yeah. as like adolescents or you know in high school and things like that like what are they going to be dealing with i sort of have no idea at that yeah. point um and and yeah i i, I think you can either kind of like sink into despair or say like well i can do what i can in my small world yeah. to help make that adjustment smooth or give them the skills to deal with those things um, and I think it also speaks to them sort of having to battle this evil twice is like the trauma that can come with childhood or yeah. whatever, especially their situations. And then having to like revisit that in order to completely deal with it. Um, well, so I mean, I just gotta, I mean, I can't not do this segue. <laughs> um, uh, so I've, I've also, I also watched, um, uh, Tig Notaro's show, uh, One Mississippi. Mm-hmm. Uh, the first two seasons, I think there's the only two there are. Um, they're both, I think, six episodes each. Okay. Um, they're great. Mm-hmm. Like, v- listening audience, mm-hmm. um, I-, I don't think you will in any way be disappointed with this <laughs> fabulously done, amazingly honest, good show. Yeah. Um, but one of the things that she talks about a great deal in the show is like that she was like sexually molested by her grandfather mm. and, I, and I mean she plays she's her name is Tig Notaro. she plays a character who is essentially herself named Tig Nabarro, um <laughs> in the show so I you know like I my assumption is that it is mostly autobiographical though I don't know her personally yeah. um, I have seen her in concert she or in live she is super funny <laughs> um, very great very smart um, but you know so she um anyway she talks about how she'd been molested from by her grandfather till she from she was like age of two to like the age of 15 mm-hmm. um and a lot of the show and there's other things that happen too you know they talk about like her mother had a child with another family her mm-hmm. mother passes away I yeah. mean, and i mean there's a lot that i could well what i'll say at this point is um so much of what she talks about in the show um is about healing from trauma mm-hmm. um and it's it's interesting because there's it, it, she has a very frank way of talking about a lot of the things, mm-hmm. um, and it's a really interesting. It's very interesting, and yeah. I, and I think like, and it it's one of those shows where, I mean, I don't just look at it as entertainment. Mm-hmm. You know, what I mean, it's like, 
informative and helpful. Right. Um, you know, it's the kind of thing like you could watch with someone who's having a hard time or had issues with, you know, with related things mm-hmm. um, and like start a really valuable, interesting conversation. Right. You know, even just that like there's at one point, you know, she like suggests to her stepfather, she's like, have you... You know, he's like, oh, there's this woman, uh, you know, and she wants me to talk about my feelings, feelings, you know. And and Tig says, you know, like, have you ever done work with that? He's like, what are you talking about? You know, she's like, like, therapy or something? Yeah. Um, And I think, I mean, and so for me, like, where I grew up in western Pennsylvania, there's, like, such a stigma against, like, mental illness Hmm. and therapy i mean Hmm. it's 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 like that like it's the kind of thing like growing up you could have never had a conversation about Hmm. you know like or you could and like and and, and there were literally i mean there were like i I, like there were people that knew that at my church and Mm -hmm. and through my community that like i knew had like some serious mental problems or personality disorders or some serious stuff Mm -hmm. um like there's a, a woman who's a um She's an English teacher in my high school, and mm-hmm. she was a kleptomaniac, and she would like steal stuff all over the place and like wow. stuff it in her van. And I would like hang out with her son, and there'd just be like random, <laughs> random stuff, stuff like you know, like you know wrap packages from? Yeah. in the back of her car. And I was like, oh, they must be so rich; they buy stuff all the time. Yeah, right. But she just stole everything, and never talked about it. <laughs> you know, like it wasn't right. until years later that someone's like, oh yeah, you know, like Mrs. So and So, you know, she's. And I was like, oh. That's what it was. Going oh, to be. <laughs> yeah. that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, you know the police were at her house quite often. <laughs> um, you know, but it and so like, I don't think that it's a far cry. Here's the thing. So like, you know, Stephen King write, writes a lot about these very peculiar New England towns that have mm-hmm. very dark trouble. Mm-hmm. You know, you see it in. Um, it you see it in Needful Things you see it in I mean a lot of other books that I haven't read yeah. you know like and it, it's uh, even like Stand By Me which is like a much more real sort mm-hmm. of non-fantastical story I mean you have this backdrop of the the city and the town which is weird and has secrets and doesn't really care about things and is mm-hmm. hurting people and is, just has a dark soul to it yeah um, and I wondered you know um, as a kid I didn't notice that at all yeah as an adult I look at it and say oh like it's interesting, mm-hmm. you know, and it's like having lived in New England for a while, and a very good friend of mine is from Maine, mm-hmm. um, and also having uh, it's a really good short story. Uh, it's called Killings. Uh, it's made into a, a, a actually a very very good film with a very very bad title <laughs> called In the Bedroom. Oh, um, I like that movie. Yeah, have you seen? Yeah, I mean yeah. It, it, it. I mean In the Bedroom. It's about lobsters. <laughs> it's not about. <laughs> Um, but it's a, you know, and again, it's a, it's a fabulous story about this really interesting dynamic of this you know, sh- uh, uh, town in Maine mm-hmm. with like aristocracy and violence and a bunch of, you know, and a really, and a, a semi-justified killing at the end of it, you know, right. it's really mm-hmm. interesting. Um, you know, the question is though, you know, is it really about a New England town? Right. Just a New England town? Or is it, or is Stephen King writing about, you know, like does, it, in, yeah, yeah it, in America, yeah. is Derry like America? Mm-hmm. Or, or how is Derry like America? Yeah. Um, and there's a lot of things that, you know, when I look at Derry, mm-hmm. you know, I look at like, like this is, you know, I say, I'm not from New England, I'm from Pennsylvania. But yeah. like, there are so many things mm-hmm. that are similar to um, where I grew up. Where you grew up Particularly yeah. like, not talking about really damaging and serious things, like both in the community as a whole mm-hmm. and in your own life. Yeah. Like, there are, like, it, lots of bad things happen in my community, as, as happens in many communities mm-hmm. when you're a kid. And like, we never talked about it. Yeah. 
um, at all, ever. Yeah. It was just not talked yeah. about. Yeah. Um, and as an adult, like, you know, as an adult who goes to therapy to deal with the things that happened to me when I was a kid, like, you have to, like, I have to talk about it to function as a normal human being. Mm-hmm. I can't, like, I, I, you know, I don't know how others work, but, I, like, something bad happens and I'm like, oh, it's cool. Yeah. That's not how I work. And it doesn't seem very healthy. Yeah. Um, but, you know, but it's certainly, like, the that's the model that I grew up with mm-hmm. where you, like, you know, I, you know, I remember at my church there was this woman who, like, car, her daughter died in a random car accident. Yeah. And, like... We talked about it for like one day at the funeral, and like that was it. No one ever mentioned it. Yeah. Um, and there's a, I mean, I'm going on and on, but there's a, there's a, a woman who goes to, uh, a woman whose daughter goes to uh, school with um, mm-hmm. our kids. I don't mention her name, but she, her, um, she had a son um, who only lived for about four or five months or so. Mm-hmm. Um, and she talks about him, mm-hmm. and she celebrates his birthday every year, yeah. and so and like and talks about his death day every year, mm-hmm. and like she's very open. And she's like, I feel sad because my you know lost yeah. my son. Right. Um, and you know, at first I was like, Oh, like yeah, you're not we are. This is really, yeah. yeah. Um, but I've known her for a long time. She's a super great friend. Mm-hmm. Um, and it like having seen her, you know, go through several years of these sort of anniversaries. Mm-hmm. I'm like, seems a lot healthier than all the stuff I did growing up, yeah. you know? Cause you know, like, you know, I, I remember when my, my grandfather passed away last summer, I found that he had a child who, you know, like who passed, like who, you know, um, mm. died very young. Yeah. And I was like, cause it, you know, it lists on like the people that are, you're preceded in death by. Yeah. And there was like somebody listed on them. I'm like, who is that? Who is that? Yeah, right. You know? Um, you know, and also like, and I mean, this is the last thing I'll say about it, but like, um, you know, between our first and second child, my wife had a miscarriage. Mm-hmm. And, like, it was really sad and yeah. a big deal. And then, like, the minute we it happened to us, like, everybody talked about how they had had one. And I was like, I, and I had never heard. From like, you know, and, and like, yeah. I, I don't know a lot about stuff about stuff. So, it was like, I thought it was, I didn't know if it was a rare or not, but I heard it was very common. But mm-hmm. it was like, half, like, more than half the women I knew, they're like, oh, yeah, that happened to me. It's really hard. I was like, Wow, yeah, you know, and, and again, I, and what I see is just like all of this sort of hidden pain, mm-hmm. um, you know. And I think that when you, one of the things that like uh, uh, horror movies do mm-hmm. is like there's some way in which if you present these sort of fears out there, yeah, um, even in like fantastical ways, mm-hmm. like people understand that, yeah. You know, I mean, I think that there, you know, like there are a lot of well, so like, you know, like a lot of them women that like understand like the blood you can't get rid of, you yeah. know, right? Yeah. You know, because like nearly every woman I know, like talks about the fear of like <laughs> menstruating in English class, yeah. You know, or like or like of right, sitting right. down on someone's couch and getting blood on there. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I know nothing about that particular experience, right. but I have other things I was worried about as a teenager. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and so that there's a way that the the you know, the, the ridiculous presentation of it yeah. or fantastical or dreamlike, if you will, mm-hmm. like allows people to identify with it yeah. and be like, oh yeah, that's terrifying. Right. Um, even though it's essentially nonsense, mm-hmm. um, it represents like a, this deeper fear, like Something. in the, the dreamscape, if you mm-hmm. will. Yeah, I mean, I thought the new version, um, just like not remembering the TV movie very well, uh, did a good job of like contrasting like the bullies the sort of anxiety around that for these kids and then like the home life um domestic life that they had their other concerns about whether it was mm-hmm. like 
complacent parents or overprotective or the um, abusive or whatever, but like realizing like they had these deeper lives. Yeah. That like the supernatural element was like building onto or feeding off of. Um, and I almost thought like the bullies were almost scarier, some of those scenes, than like the supernatural, like um, Pennywise creature. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I guess I was surprised in the film how like far the bullies went. Yeah. Um, which, you know, I don't know how realistic, but I think they were trying to say something with that. Um, and, and I like the, for me, I wasn't really like catching on. Like, how they said, like, you know, eventually, like, hey, this stuff isn't real. If we, like, kind of can work past our fear of this, then he doesn't have as much power. And then I like the element when the main bully, whose dad was the sheriff, sort of, like, puts him in his place and he feels fear. Like, suddenly he is um, vulnerable to Pennywise. Mm -hmm. Whereas I was, like, didn't quite get that dichotomy of, like, well, these boys aren't being affected by Pennywise. Yeah. Um very much until they like experience the fear mm-hmm. which which was interesting um yeah i mean like yeah. the bullies are like when he starts to carve his name in his stomach yeah and i'm guessing like that i'm guessing that that's probably what the book yeah says yeah um it's also like the in the tv version there's a the school is like a more reasonable place mm-hmm. like there's a teacher there mm-hmm. and like the bullies mm-hmm. don't just to get to run rampant yeah but like they um, I think Ben embarrasses one of them in class, mm. which is the impetus for him wanting to like harm him. I see. You know, because in, yeah. in in the, in, the, in the new version, they just seem to pick on him because he's fat. Yep. But there was like an inciting incident, you know, cited mm-hmm. in the in TV one. Um, but yeah, like when he, there's a bit in the TV one which I thought was clever because um, they get Henry, whatever his name is, like the the lead bully. Yeah. Who goes crazy. Mm-hmm. I mean, he, he encounters the death, the deadlights. Right. His hair goes white. Mm. And he's, like, stark raving mad. And he, okay. he just goes to an insane asylum. And when um, the uh, adults come back to sort of finish off Pennywise when they get mm-hmm. called by Michael, um, Pennywise goes to um, Henry again, I think, mm-hmm. the lead bully, and, like, enlists him to go kill them. I see. Um and there's some line in there about it's like it doesn't matter if they're he, they're scared of you or not you can kill them, <laughs> um, which you know is interesting because yeah. you know uh, like he, and, and think he like Pennywise subtly works through um, him in the movie, mm-hmm. and I wonder if we if we're gonna flash back and see more of that because yeah. especially when, when he's gonna carve his name in Ben's belly the other guys are like what are you doing yeah right you know, like it seems very out of like he's 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 a bully but he's like this is pretty serious yeah yeah. Right. Um, and so I, I wouldn't be surprised if we get a little bit more about how Pennywise works through him mm-hmm. um, in the second version. Yeah. Um, Although he seems like he died in the well, right? Yeah. Maybe. He, 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 he does definitely seem like he died in the well. <laughs> yeah. um, I did but like, we didn't see his dead body. Through. No. I did like the moment in the new one you were describing, similar to the old one, where that moment where he's like on the bridge and gonna yeah. carve his stomach and the car goes by with the older couple and they yeah. just like... So it just reinforces, like, yeah. they're the only ones that can see sort of the Pennywise visions, but also the adults are not noticing yeah. the, this abuse happening either um, between children. Uh, I thought that was a good touch. Um, yeah. Uh, overall. Um, 
yeah, I mean, I think we're, we're hitting a, on a lot of the major themes going in here. Um, a few other things that I sort of liked uh, and see what you thought. Like, I kind of noticed how strong, like, the horror visual tropes were sort of in it. Like, especially when they went to the house where Pennywise's lair is or whatever. Like, the, um, yeah, the central point of everything. Place, yeah. Like, it is just, like super iconic haunted house like all the way you know like the rusty gate fence in front like the um like the dead tree sort of out front and then like the shape of the house is just like what you think of like a psycho house or something and so just like different moments i was at first sort of surprised i was like like they're just like super extreme and i'm kind of surprised they just went with like this is what it normally looks like in a horror, but I kind of started to think like, well, is this more like from a kid's point of view? Well, here's the thing: when you walk by that house, you you like increase its horror and scariness in your mind. You know, like okay. it becomes no, that, the that's, scary that's, house. That's that's yeah. um, those are really interesting <laughs> questions. I mean, I, I approach it from two different ways. Yeah. Um, when I thought about it, yeah. One of which is um. You know, I've been hearing a lot about like like the the mummy, like the new. Mm-hmm. The, you know, like mm-hmm. it did poorly in the United States. I think it did like less than eighteen percent of its total grossing in the United States, and the vast majority of it was the, from the global audience, where there's still a much bigger appetite for things that we in America have gotten tired of. Right. And so I think like you know I don't know what the planned release of it was, um, but like as as a horror film that could play in a wider audience, mm-hmm. like. The, the classic mm. um, mm-hmm. horror haunted house yeah. seems to be the would seem to be a good bread and butter choice. Mm-hmm. Um, second thing is, I mean, I know I I can I imagine myself watching it as a child, mm-hmm. and like it would just be scary. Yeah, like because it's sure. just a scary house. Right, it is a bit sure. silly, mm-hmm. um, but I feel like they spend enough deference to be like that old creepy place nobody goes there you know so that like it's absurd Mm -hmm. i also think that this other bit because they keep showing that one thing like good cheer good friends or something um to make it seem a little silly Uh you know to think that if if this place has been curated to some extent by Mm -hmm. pennywise Mm -hmm. it's supposed to be a little absurd yeah um, you know, and his, 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 he, he like lives, he feeds off of fear. Mm-hmm. So it should be a scary place. Right. Yeah. I also was thinking like one of the first scenes we get is like uh, Georgie going in the basement. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, I think some of it is is a little bit knowing, like we're giving you the like creepy basement scene of the kid scared of like everything in the dark basement. And I think some of that is like, Again, talking about the fears. What are we afraid of? You know, mm-hmm. the kids, like, Pennywise feeds off of what are their specific, like, biggest fears. Um, and for Georgie, maybe that was, like, his fear. But I thought those were interesting that they were kind of talking about what are kind of, like, standard yeah. horror tropes. And But there were, like, surprises in some ways. I feel like when it went supernatural, sometimes it, like... They did it in a, a different way than I expected sometimes. Yeah. Um, and for the most part, I felt like, compared to most modern horror films, the CGI was fairly minimal. Like, they tried to do more practical or, like, unique effects. Um, there's probably more done with computer than I 
thought, but um, I'm just tired of like the weird like something crawling on the ceiling or like you know. Yeah, I mean, effects, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I mean, I think that I mean one of the things that I felt was like when they were watching the slideshow mm-hmm. and it like it kind of takes over mm-hmm. like what I saw in the preview I'm like that's creepy yeah and then like when he appears he's gigantic yeah and like that like the that was surprising right and I was like oh so, like somebody how do we stop this one of my questions is like what was some of the scariest parts for you or like what worked and I think that was probably the best one for me because I, I yeah. think seeing that in the trailer and kind of seeing his like face reveal and they're trying Mm -hmm. to turn it off like i'm like okay like it's over basically yeah like this moment's over and then he like pops out of the screen and it has that weird um like size effect like you're talking about like and the shots are really quick but like yeah he's just like massive so it's suddenly like he's not just in the screen which I, i think is also a nice meta moment of like Feeling right. like the horror is like coming out of the screen at us, um, which worked really well. Yeah, I, I mean, I think in, in the original one, they uh, look at a photograph of him, mm-hmm. and he, his hand physically comes out of the photograph. Okay, at them. Yeah, and so I think it's sort of like inspired by that, but mm-hmm. like much more creative because yeah. he, he seems to inhabit all pictures of him. Mm-hmm. I'm just in terms of like the lore yeah. about him. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, I mean, like I. Some of the scariness of the original for me is, like, uh, pacing, mm-hmm. which is one of the things I, like, again, love about the early uh, Walking Dead show. Because mm. um, it's not it's not jump scares so mm. much as that, like, you just kind of get heartburn. Yeah, <laughs> from being yeah. like, oh, my God. You know, you go from, like, terrified to, like, okay, we're not entirely terrified. Oh, my God. You know. But, yeah. Like and and, down, and you yeah. never quite know. You know, this is the part of, I think, you know, Frank Darabont's genius because also the pacing of... Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Shawshank Redemption mm-hmm. like I mean it's just like when I think about Shawshank Redemption it seems like that it is a million years long I just <laughs> right, I just, yeah, I yeah. just live in this world for right. so long yeah you know and, and then there's the harrowing moments of crawling through the river of shit mm-hmm. you know and, and then there's the part of the end with the tree you know and yeah. it, it seems like you know like it spans epilogue, my yeah, entire yeah. childhood this film. <laughs> but I think it's about pacing right you know and I, and I think that part of what makes um, some of the stuff in the, in the original scary is like um, pacing because mm-hmm. it's like they the, like the fortune cookies it's like they, they have this really good dinner the things mm-hmm. are going well and they're just about to leave and it's no big deal it's like a throwaway scene they're about to leave and get their fortune cookies and, and, and all of a sudden like Pennywise is there yeah. you know and it's like it, I mean I didn't I mean I knew that it was coming because I'd seen that part many times or like mm-hmm. I remember that very vividly but the, the way it shows up in there is like very mm-hmm. freaky yeah you know, like it's it's you know, and it's not like it doesn't have that Joss Whedon esque thing where it's like two people are kissing. I'm like, which one of you is gonna get shot? <laughs> right? <laughs> right, right. It's just kind of like, oh, like because I mean, it, there ha- there's and the just thing is like there are happy moments, mm-hmm. and there's happy moments with happy music, and they they maintain right. that in the new one. Like Switches, when there's yeah. the rock war, mm-hmm. you know, like there are these moments that are just happy kid right. moments, and so you think you're having one of those, and then unexpectedly, like mm-hmm. there's a crab in your thing. Right. You know, and, and I think like, and they're scared, and they're surprised that they're scared, mm-hmm. and so like, and those things were ultimately like haunting mm-hmm. for me as a kid, mm-hmm. um, in a way that like the jump scares of the horror film aren't. Mm-hmm. I'm like, they're like certainly like, oh, this is horror, this is terrifying. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I'm not like, it's not gonna, it's not gonna keep me up at night. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I think 
the new film is very proficiently made. Yeah. Um, well done, but I felt like the scary scenes were always like telegraphed to me. Like, okay, we had some like character development with the kids. Okay, now we have like a scary scene. Yeah. Like you see it coming every time. Yeah. So I think a little bit more of a um, mature filmmaker would be able to weave those moments in yeah. in more surprising ways. Here's the thing though, yeah. um, I agree with you. Yeah. But I also felt like the what well, what I was watching mm-hmm. outside of the what what we were watching is primarily other people being scared. Yeah. Like I don't I and so That's my, true. my perspective yeah. was like it's just we're being told a story about a terrifying thing that feeds mm-hmm. on fear. It's not really meant to scare us very much, mm-hmm. but it's meant to scare what well, we're watching people be scared of. It. And it's their what scares them. Yeah. Yeah. And so in that sense I like it felt very tidy. Mm-hmm. Like I didn't feel like That's true. Like you know like cuz I'm I'm not like, worried about my moment. own safety. Yeah. Um or like, you know, or like cuz I'm not like the jump scares don't 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 like get at my soul the way like the mm. sink did. Right. You know, or the way that, you know, like the way that some of the other more, you know, anxiety ridden ones were. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also felt like they were creative, you know, yeah. like he, he didn't manifest the same kind of thing more than once, mm-hmm. you mm-hmm. know, because even if it's like if it's balloons, it's a weird, a weird configuration right, of balloons. Right, assortment of balloons. And yeah. you're like, oh, wow. That's great, yeah. I mean, I do have to say that uh, physically Pennywise was far more terrifying. <laughs> right, yeah. Um, and but I felt like we saw him a little too much, mm-hmm. and I became a little too comfortable with him. Yeah, I mean, by the end that last fight, I was not really like scared of him. Yeah, I mean, you kind of know they're also gonna like beat him in some way. Yeah, but it was sort of like a weird combination of like some kids are like beating on him. Yeah, but like at that point, I'm not really like. Yeah, somebody's gotta say like gonna do we can't something. kill him or he's gotta yeah. cut somebody in half or right. There has to be something. I just feel like they. Should, I mean, major. I would have really liked them to have saved something really, you know, Peter Jackson gross <laughs> for that. Yeah, I would have been like, oh, yeah. I you mean, know, like, like cut peons. someone's head off and have it. Talk. I mean, I know it doesn't happen yeah, in the story, yeah. but like really up the ante there. But I mean, the um, almost forgetting the very first scene where Georgie gets like half of his arm ripped off. Yeah, like. The rest of the film, I did not really feel that the main characters were in any, like, serious physical danger. Yeah. Um, I mean, I do, like, I think the opening scene and choosing to open with that, mm-hmm. um, powerful. And I was like, oh, he just bit his fucking arm off. Right, yeah. Whoa. Yeah, right. I, you know, like. Yeah, I didn't expect Because in the original that. one, he just, he there's a lot of, like, grabbing and screaming and fading to white. Mm-hmm. You know, again, PG, you know, made right. for TV. But mm-hmm. I was like, oh, he just he bit his arm off. Yeah, and I thought he was just gonna there. like pull him in. Yeah, yeah suck like, him in. Yeah, huh? yeah. <laughs> um, I I do have to say, I mean, I, I don't know him personally, but um, Tim Curry does uh, Pennywise in the TV show mm-hmm. or the TV version, and he's really good. Mm-hmm. And there's something. I mean, he has a phenomenal performance. Mm-hmm. Not all the acting is great in it. Yeah. Um, but he is great. Yeah. He's a great actor. Mm-hmm. It is a great role for him. Yeah. Um, I don't. I mean, I, I do. I mean, I, I know who the guy is who played the new Pennywise, mm-hmm. and he plays him well. Yeah. But it's a different kind of. He's like when I look at him, I'm like he's really creepy. Right. Um. But it, it's it's Tim Curry's voice. Mm. Um. He. It's just like. Um. It's haunting in a way that yeah. the new one isn't. Yeah. Because he's so such a good voice actor. Mm-hmm. Um. That it's. 
adds another element yeah because he because and, and a lot of his stuff in in the tv one is he talks to people mm-hmm. you know like he pretends to be their father he pretends mm-hmm. to be yeah. their friend you know he pretends to be lots of people mm-hmm. you know and and they sort of his voice sort of slowly morphs you know and and, and it's you know the tim curry voice and laugh is like i'm like mm-hmm. that's makes me very un- like he made me yeah. i was like i'm very uneasy about you <laughs> um we'll wrap up but a few tiny moments i just wanted to throw out there yeah um when uh i can't remember his name um the boy is in the library doing some research yeah and the librarian like leaves his table did you notice the woman in the background yeah who's she i don't know but i I like that they didn't address it again like and then i notice when they cut to when there's something else weird that happens and he like follows the egg things when they show him like get up the woman is just like totally normal again looking at books but i like that they didn't address it didn't like happen again but um just in the background yeah it was like it was like what is that that? (laughs) yeah and then in the very the first time we see pennywise i like that moment where georgie is kind of deciding what to do Mm -hmm. and like pennywise just sort of like goes away for a moment or something Mm -hmm. and his like eyes sort of float away from each other that was really creepy yeah um, so like new effects that you probably couldn't do in the past, but yeah, yeah. Because I mean, I think that the, I I think if you from the book, I mean, like the 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 most primordial manifestation of this evil creature is the deadlights, which are three constantly circling like slightly orange orbs. Mm-hmm. But so I think like the reference at the beginning where there's those two lights, uh, you know, in, in, the, the basement, in the basement. I think all of those mm-hmm. references are to like his more interesting. Yeah, because he's often described as a shapeshifter. Mm-hmm. Like, I think that, like, it's not so much that he um, creates illusions, mm-hmm. is that he actually becomes different things. Mm. You know, and, and mm-hmm. like, you know, like, he, when he's talking, like, pretending to be someone's dad, he is, that's, it, it, it's not like an illusion mm-hmm. of a form. He's actually there, and that's what he's changing his form to look like. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I also like the aspect of him being a clown. And I was talking about some of the like horror tropes mm-hmm. that he is like he has a playful element about him. So I feel like he is like especially like when they're in the house in the new film, I feel like he's sort of like playing with his prey. Yeah. Or like trying to up the fear factor yeah. so that like he can feed off of that. But like there's a so I like kind of what you said about like adjusting the house to be a little bit absurd, but yeah. like it's kinda of playful. Yeah, um, I mean, it's a little bit like a fun house. Yeah. I, yeah. Re- I really like the three doors. Yeah. You know, very scary. Not scary at all, you know. Yeah. And I'm like, don't don't pick that. You d- <laughs> you're going to get her top half. Oh, there we are. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so the fact that Pennywise is a clown, mm-hmm. it's only a tiny part of the movie and the TV show. But in some stuff I read about it, like I think it's more part of the book. So like, why is he a clown? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that, um, at least it, the way it's often said, and I think it's probably addressed more in the book, is like, it, it's a way of luring children in. Mm. Like, it's not, I think, initially designed to be creepy. Yeah. Though, I think, like, he eventually does do that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and I, it is not, it's not, I don't, I, don't, I have not read the book. I don't know if he, like, it's sort of him being like clumsy yeah. or of him being like deliberately super creepy. Uh-huh. But, you know, because I think about, I mean, the first time he shows up in this town is like, I think at a traveling circus, like really, you know, 200 right. years ago or something. Right. You know, and she chooses something that 
you know, again, like deliberately lulls our his like kids into security, and then he mm-hmm. scares the crap out of them, and then eats their fear. Right. You know, and so yeah. he like he he chooses this innocuous seeming mm-hmm. form, right, to to lull people into safety and security and happiness, mm-hmm. and then um, you know, uh, it sets them, it makes them ripe prey. Right. I mean, even. Like in the new film, in certain elements, I mean, they usually play it pretty creepy. But yeah. I think if you were approached by a clown in a weird situation, your first thought wouldn't be like, well, I mean, you'd be might be like, well, that's a little creepy. They're kind of weird, but like they're a clown, right? Even like in in a real situation, so you wouldn't be expecting. It. You're still like, yeah. not gonna instantly run away from a clown, maybe you know? Yeah, yeah, um, and and I think it's like, you know. Part of it. I mean, I think there's plenty of things to say about it, but yeah. I think that um, like there's there's been so many tropes about evil clowns mm-hmm. that like it's they're not it's hard to like they can't they can't really be just what they are. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, so there. I mean, you know, there would be some kind of a, equivalent. You know, I think you know, like the you know he you know Pennywise could have been something else. Mm-hmm. You know, like you know yeah. again you know and and yeah. could have been a different innocuous seeming like a school teacher mm-hmm. or something you know right. um because like oh yeah you know we just why don't we sit and do story time yeah. right know? yeah this book will eat you okay. yeah um yeah i mean um i think it would also be interesting this year before the tv film mm-hmm. or maybe possibly the book too yeah. but i think adding the visual element to it for yeah. um you know consciousness and in, in our culture uh, like how scary clowns were considered. I'm sure yeah. there's people still talking about like I don't like clowns, but like I don't yeah. know that it was touched a degree maybe before that film, mm-hmm. that TV film came out. Yeah, um, it'd be interesting to know. Yeah. Um, yeah. Anything else? Um, n- I, no, I, I do have to say that. I mean, one of the things. What I will close with is yeah. one of the things that I. One of the uh, interesting things that that both the TV version and the movie version touch on is you know this perennial question about like what is evil Mm. you know Mm -hmm. like what is the what is the nature of evil yeah because there's all kinds of bad things Mm -hmm. that happen in Mm -hmm. it and one of the things that this the the last point that i wanted to make is um i mean uh this character pennywise he has in the book he has some sort of dark name he's sort of this like primordial evil that's been around for a long time and he chooses to inhabit dairy Mm -hmm. because there's something terribly wrong with dairy Mm -hmm. and people don't really because it's because he can yeah because it is the place where he can go and feed and kill children Mm -hmm. and survive yeah right and so i think if i can't but but his his he's not necessarily evil Mm-hmm. Though he is right, right, but he he feeds on fear, mm-hmm. so he needs to create fear to to live. It's what he lives yeah. on, right? And I just does. think yeah. you know, in, in in my other geek world, um, there are plenty of times in like the Doctor Who series mm-hmm. when there's a, a a wayward creature or wayward space traveler or someone who like they need to eat something that happens to be problematic or right. they need to do something to survive which is causing trouble. Mm-hmm. You know, they're actually not evil. They're just trying to take care of themselves. Right. You know, and so it's, it's you know, like the, the hunger is, isn't in of itself evil mm-hmm. or bad. Mm-hmm. It's just um, misdirected. Right. You know? And so I think that in, in the character of Pennywise, they, like, they totally get blended. Like, he's both evil and hungry. You <laughs> right. Know? Like, yeah. you know, and, you know, because he tortures kids, mm-hmm. you know, for fun. Right. Also because he, you know, he feeds on their fear. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that... Um, it's just it's an interesting 
you know, an interesting sort of um, iteration of, yeah. you know, what is evil? What does it look like? Right. Because um, I often think, I mean, one of the, one of the, one description of evil that I often like is in, in uh, J.R.R. Tolkien's books. You know, he, he's talking about, um, like, how the spiders inhabit Mirkwood. And it's mm. something about, you know, like, evil is the kind of thing that just sort of grows and clings in corners like uh, dust when yeah, you yeah. aren't when you aren't tidy and pay attention to it. <laughs> you know, and sort of like the, the world slowly becomes more and more evil mm. because good people aren't taking care of it. Right. You know, and it's ultimately a, a statement about the morality of those people that are in charge. And I mean, throughout the, mm-hmm. the Lord of the Rings books, I mean, yeah. uh, all of our characters are presented with moral choices. Are mm-hmm. they going to take a difficult stand to, to stand up for what they you know they say and profess to believe in yeah um or are they not mm-hmm. you know and i think you know in, in the i mean i could go on and on but in the movie <laughs> right. version you know i think that's sort of best personified when they go to rohan right you know and they get so you know um the king the king you know yeah. like you know and their, their charge is death like mm-hmm. they are willingly charging to their own death because they know um that this is the only way that they have a shot at possibly ridding the world of evil right um and i think i mean and the you know to to circle back which is a phrase i don't yeah um to our discussion at the beginning i mean one of the things that that our fine president said about the <laughs> incident in las vegas that it was just an act of pure evil mm-hmm. um which is an interesting thing to say but yeah what does that um, mean when people say that yeah. right but in 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 the real world i mean it sort of puts it in a category that we like can't deal with mm-hmm. um and i i always i mean the concept of evil and the existence of evil i always find very fascinating mm-hmm. um because it's you know, I mean, because it's it's you know it's like um, it's present a lot of places and an excuse for a lot of things, and we have no really clear definition of what it is. Yeah. Um, and certainly in a world in which you have like an evil character like the devil or something, mm-hmm. um, it it just seems like an intellectual convenience. Yeah. That it's like oh like this is evil and we all mm-hmm. know what that is right evil. Yeah. And I'm like. Mm. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, he th- this really this was a man, and these are people, and he did the thing. Mm-hmm. And whether or not that's good or bad, um, saying that it's evil doesn't explain it or help us in any way. Right. Right. Um, you know, but you know, yeah. like in in the mythic world, mm-hmm. we can you know we can vanquish evil. Right. Um, I just think, and I will stop what here. What does that look like in the real world? Yeah, I mean, like you know, and this is like like it's I think season six or maybe season six in Buffy mm-hmm. when her mother dies. Mm-hmm. I might have been five. You know, and, like, her mother just dies of medical problems. Right. And Buffy just wants to, like, find something, something that's evil yeah. and put a stake in it. Right. <laughs> and she can't. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that, you know, I mean, there are plenty of great moments in that show. But uh, when and far statements about evil go, that's one of the m- more powerful. Yeah. Like, the, the, the real, like, some of the worst and saddest things that happen to us in our lives are not... Sometimes there's not even a legitimate cause. Like, there's not even anyone to blame. I mean, it's, you know, like, yeah. you know, someone has a random heart attack. Someone gets hit, you know, by a car and they're not drunk driving. You know, mm-hmm. it's just a thing that happens. Um, yeah. It, and and it, it, you, you can't, you can, you can't even, you can't even call it evil because there isn't mm-hmm. even a, there isn't even a, like a person with action involved. Right. And I think, you know, I think that like contemplation of these really big and challenging things are how you learn about the world Mm -hmm. um and when you say things like uh pure evil though like i I don't entirely disagree with that as a idea yeah um uh, i also know because of who says it and because of what (laughs) what our national debate is about things um that it means that we can't there's nothing we can do about it it's an act of god we can't 
Right, right. And I'm like, and I don't, I just don't, that's not how I approach anything. Yeah. Um, there are some things that we don't have control over, mm-hmm. but there are some things that we do. And w- when people make choices about stuff, there's always something we can do. Yeah, I mean, I think it's almost, could be looked at different ways, but I almost think the horror films I appreciate and enjoy are when the evil presence in it is not really explained to a degree. Yeah. And I think I talked about this after we saw it together. Like, I was very, became very confused by the end of the rules of yeah. Pennywise's mythology and, yeah. like, how, what control he had and stuff. And it started to, like, break down his power or, like, yeah. the, the scariness of it or whatever. Um, so not that I'm, like, looking for an ultimate evil that we can't explain, but I think horror films that don't necessarily try hard to give you, like, a background on this is why um, this happened because of these events or whatever, uh, that it is, um, it speaks more to, like, what you're talking about and that it is sort of sometimes an unknown thing Yeah, that we can't, like, we can't completely vanquish because we don't understand it or it's more about, like, moving past it or, yeah. I mean, and I think, like, if you have a symbolic, and I, and mm-hmm. I, I, I I always, yeah, if you have a symbolic enemy, mm-hmm. you need to kill it in a symbolic fashion. Mm-hmm. And just hitting it with sticks, like yes. that. You know, I mean, I mean, it is true that, like, um, Bill, like, does uncover its, you know, he does pass the test by uncovering its falsehood that it is mm-hmm. not, in fact, Georgie, right? Yeah. And that's an important symbolic right. journey. Right. And a symbolic weapon. Because, mm-hmm. he, like, he doesn't believe its falsehood. Right. right? He sees the truth. Mm-hmm. But then the part where they poke it with sticks. Right. I'm like, how is like how is super powerful? It? Like, does this mean yes, we can shoot? Like, if we about. can shoot it with a gun, mm-hmm. like, why didn't we like Just do that? Yeah. You know, like shoot it with a gun. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like the you know yeah. like Pacific Rim question. Like, right. if the sword works, why didn't we use the sword? Yeah. Like, you know, it's like it's I I yes the movie Crawl. I don't know if you have you ever seen the movie Crawl. I have. Yeah, I mean, it is like one of those things, like Beastmaster <laughs> that was always on, right. like the late afternoon yeah. on weekends in the '80s, um, and uh, you know, like the like and he has this really cool like spinny weapon thing, right. and he yep. gets it stuck in the bad guy mm-hmm. when he's trying to kill him, and so like his wife gives him like the sacred fire that like is manifest when a man loves a woman, <laughs> and he kills you know the with evil that, with yeah. that. And as much as I make fun of it. Um, it is a very clear symbolic weapon mm-hmm. to dispense with a symbolic enemy right. that represents evil that is hard to find mm-hmm. um, and hard to track down, and it can only be killed with love. Which right. I mean, like as cheesy as it they may seem, it, yeah. um, you know, like I there's a completeness about it because mm-hmm. like the weapon he find, you know, like he 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 paints the weapon by a little bit of courage, but not too much, right? And it's just kind of cool, mm-hmm. and it you know, like again, it, it's like you know, the hero can have a weapon that they which is given to them, mm-hmm. or it, or after they pass a rite of initiation, that it makes it meaningful. Yeah. But he just reaches down on the thing and the goopy stuff and burns his hand a little bit to get it. So I'm like, yeah. you know, it's not like the greater, you know, I mean, like he, I mean, like they undergo like a much greater trial to get the location of the Black Castle. Mm-hmm. I don't know if the audience really knows about Crawl. Yeah. Um, um, uh, but there's, it, it's a really clear example of it. Mm-hmm. And, and I think, um, you know, like, and, and certainly like in, in Lord of the Rings, like th- there's a, a very important symbolic enemy. Mm-hmm. The ring has very strong, like means a lot of very clear things and also some more sort of esoteric extra textual things. And it has a very symbolic mm-hmm. destruction. Like it can only be killed in one way. Yeah. You know, it has to be unmade. Yeah. Um, anyway, so I, I, 
I hope that and and in the in the in the TV version, like mm-hmm. they the end is very symbolic. Like mm-hmm. they use these sort of special weapons and stuff. Yeah. And I hope that they that, that they're able to clean up the next battle mm-hmm. um, and have it be a little bit more that way. And I hope if they do the spider thing, it's better than stop motion. <laughs> stop motion plasticine. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know if that's in the book or not, but I don't know. We'll find out. Mm-hmm. Um, great. So we're wrapping up it. And uh, by the way, dear listener, if you want to hear more talk of evil and what it means, um, listen to our now playing episode because I'll be talking about death note. Great. So thanks for listening, everybody. We'll talk to you next time.